Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Texas Tales podcast, the show where we talk about Texas history and enjoy ourselves a cocktail or two. I'm Ryan. And this is Tracy. Why don't you pour yourself a drink and join us for what we're sure will be a stimulating, partially factual Tales About Texas. For all of you lottery players out there, we have another opportunity for you to make millions. In today's episode, we're going to highlight the top five most famous buried treasures in Texas and how they found their final resting places. Are they real or just tall Texas tales passed down over time? We will let you decide for yourself. Grab yourself a drink, unfold your treasure maps, and remember, X marks the spot. Question. Hey man, where'd you get that sweet Texas swag? Answer. Independence Trail Retail Company. Independence Trail Retail Company is a premium brand retail company headquartered in Houston, Texas. Our faith, along with our heritage, are at the core of who we are as a company. Guided by these core values, we aim to provide high-quality products that tell a story and testify to the richness of our shared history as Texans. Over time, we will continue to add quality products in a wide range of categories that will include men's and women's apparel, glassware, leather goods, decor, and accessories, for now, go check out the website at www.independencetrailretail.com and treat yourself to some sweet Texas swag. So you know as well as I do, with as many nations that have traveled Six Flags over Texas, mm-hmm. you know that there are people who traverse the countryside with some serious coin. Oh yeah, you got Gold, to. silver... Yeah, let's not even talk about cash. Let's not even talk about the civilizations that didn't carry a flag. That that we we don't don't know know about. about. Yeah. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about five that we do know about. So five of the most famous buried treasures in Texas. Love it. So if you're looking for an adventure, if you're looking to get out into the great outdoors and maybe find some loot... Today's episode is the episode for you. I love it. It's Goonies, Texas tale style. (laughs) It is. (laughs) So the first buried treasure is, drumroll please. That was terrible. God, that was awful. <laughs> I got to loosen. But here well, we, I'm all loosen fat talking. Loosen your lips. <laughs> I'm five drinks in, so all I'm right. fat talking it. So the first one is the Lost Silver Mines of Llano. So these are believed to be along the San Saba River. People have been searching for this treasure since 1756, when Indians told the Mexicans about a pure silver strain That was nearby in central Texas. They actually said it was in a hill. So basically, you go this hill, there's a cave, I'm assuming, and you will see this like streak of silver, which sounds amazing. I don't know, dude. If there's a treasure story from 1756 and people still haven't found it, part of me is like, I'm not going to find that. I kind of believe the Indians, unless the Indians were messing with the Mexicans. I don't know like, that hey, the Indians had a sense of humor. over there. Did the Indians have it in them to where they would, like, screw with people? Maybe they were duping them. I don't know, man. I feel like if the Indians were saying it, it was probably true. Well, so then all of a sudden, what you're saying is this is probably true. Yeah, but at the same From point, 1756. To me, that's not low-hanging fruit. To me, that's... If it has been said since 1756 that that is a treasure to find and it still hasn't been found, that's not the one I'm going to go after because that seems like it's probably pretty difficult. So Mexico City uh-huh. basically said, we are going to commit hundreds of men to this. 
So they did, and they started mining throughout Central Texas by the San Saba River. They have journals written on it, like where they were, who was commissioned to lead this ordeal. And yeah, they spent years searching for these silver mines, never to find a thing. Yeah, I don't know, man. That that uh, that seems tough. I don't know anything about a silver mine, by the way. Like, I don't even know, do the people, like, do Mexican soldiers know how to identify geology? I did not expect you to know anything about it because you're not a geologist, sir. Even though I had a rock collection when I was younger. You did. I saw it. It was on your little bookshelf. (laughs) So upon entering Texas, Stephen F. Austin also heard of this Texas tale. And he heard there was the same silver mine. He was not lucky enough to get the Mexican journals to understand exactly where it was. He basically commissioned soldiers to look for this mine in the early 19th century. But they come up also empty-handed. Yeah. I don't know, man. That seems tough. Jim Bowie. Damn, really? Heard about it. So he also gathered men. Again, with the same result. They came up empty. Well, here's the thing. It's one of those things where it's a treasure story. And so... For the people that you're talking about, so like the Mexican government, Stephen F. Austin, Jim Bowie, these are people that are adventurous people by nature, right? Like it is within them to go out and to find things. Like to that's they want the adventure. And they want the riches. Yeah, for sure. And so I can see why that would be like alluring to them and why they would go and try and find that. But I don't know that they necessarily have the expertise to do so. And I also don't necessarily know that it's there's any credibility to begin with. So in 1909, a historian by the name of Herbert Bolton interpreted some of the journals that he found left behind by the Mexicans and uncovered a mine on Honey Creek, for those of y'all familiar with that area of the country, where the Mexicans predicted it would be. So wait, so he goes in there and he starts digging Honey Creek on San Saba and doesn't find anything. Nothing either. But he does see where time was spent doing mining okay, so by other people. Got it. I'm assuming, and I, I'm assuming based on the journals, it was the Mexican government. He finds nothing as well. The U.S. government also intervened. They found nothing. But if you believe the Native Americans, it's there. And as of today, no silver has been found. All right. So here's my other question. Is silver really like worth it? Yeah. Like, wouldn't you rather gold? Have you seen all those commercials on Fox News? <laughs> it's right. obviously the silver what is this like the coin it's yeah like the commemorative yeah the commemorative trump coin. yes when yeah. inflation gets you gets you down silver is and the way you're to go. nearing retirement invest in silver yeah drum roll please number two better better sam bass's loot in denton texas so Sam Bass and his gang were a bunch of outlaws. Do you remember our drunk episode of Sam Bass? Vaguely. I remember the fact that we talked about Sam Bass and then we played a song about Sam Bass for about half the episode. I would recommend for any of y'all who have not played our episodes, please skip that one. <laughs> so him and his gang of outlaws became infamous when they stole $60,000 in 20 double eagle gold coins during an 1876 heist. This today is the equivalent of $1.3 million. Damn. Yeah. So that is still the largest Union Pacific train heist in history. Mm. So it holds the record. Sam Bass died in a shootout, as I believe we covered. Pretty sure we did. In Round Rock on his birthday in 1878. He was like 20-something years old. Mm. So early on, he stole tons of money. 
Since that time of his death, people have been searching for the loot that they believe he buried. The reason they believe that he buried is he lived a, a big life while he was around. But it wasn't that long of a period that, he, that people believe he could have burned through that amount of money. They believe he stashed it or buried it in places where if he was going to make his getaway, he would have his loot available to him to be able to continue on. Yeah, I mean, and this sort of makes sense in the fact that it keeps in line with what we've heard about like Jesse James mm -hmm. and, and people of the same time period where essentially they hide or bury their money instead of, you know, whatever else that I guess they would do with it. But yeah, they essentially put it in the ground. So it's believed that his treasure is all around Denton. It's not in one single location. So specifically around Cove Hollow outside of Sanger, the caves at Pilot Knob, kind of near Grapevine Lake, and Denton's Cross Timbers Thicket have all been long rumored of being places where he has buried treasure. Well, you know, people probably then have been looking for this treasure forever. forever. And they've been going around there with like different technology. I'm sure there's treasure hunters out there today that are doing this with like LIDAR, right? Mowing the lawn, whatever they call it, where they go back and forth. We've watched enough Expedition Unknown on that. Uh, I think Expedition Unknown covered this, they by the way. Have. When I was researching this, I was like, oh, I saw him do this. I would so LIDAR that area. You know they're doing that. Yeah. You know they are. Part of me thinks that if it hasn't been found, again, I'm being the pessimist. If it hasn't been found yet, it ain't going to be found. I wouldn't mind searching areas around those areas, though, because maybe those haven't been looked at. Maybe just on the weekends, I need to invest, <laughs> I need to invest in a LiDAR machine and just go do that on my own. Sure, or fly yeah. a drone over with right. LiDAR capabilities. Yes. Number three, please. Awful. Yeah. Well, Jean Lafitte's booty in the Sabine River. So, Jean Lafitte's booty in the Sabine River. Yeah. So this is a big one. This is one, and you've said this before. I love Jean Lafitte. Yes. It's believed he would actually float up the Sabine River, and there was a pirate's cove. If you can imagine this, between Texas today and Louisiana, in that deep swamp area up the Sabine River. There was a pirate hangout cove. Like that to me, just that whole scene. The image. It just seems like something they need to make a movie about. Yeah, with like the Spanish moss so and all that. So that's how he would evade escape. And so if you believe that Jean Lafitte stole $2 million of fortune in silver from a Spanish galleon, if you believe so, then you should head to East Texas and start searching the Sabine River near the town of Sabine. Well. <sighs> As the story goes, once Jean Lafitte and his men stole the silver, they were afraid of ambush by the local Native Americans. In an attempt to protect their fortune, they pushed several wagons loaded down with silver into the river. Damn. But that's not going to be something that's going to, like, float off. If they're pushing wagons full of silver into the Sabine River, it's going to sink and it's going to stay. Yeah, and I don't think these are coins. I think these are, you know, as it says, it's, these are blocks of silver. So in the early 1880s, some fishermen along the river ended up pulling up several bars in their fishing nets. Oh, wow. Can you imagine that? Well, so then what's to believe that like that person didn't just stay there and collect all of it and then that's it? When the news got out, this captured the attention of treasure hunters everywhere. And by 1884, the river was riddled with silver hunters. Oh, sure. So the Sabine River has actually seen treasure hunters there before. So if you go out there today, they're going to kind of know what you're up to. Yeah, I bet. It's been, it sounds like Listen, it's been. This has been done, yeah. guys. Yeah, it's been done. 
So in the 1850s, a new group of treasure hunters could be found in Sabine when the story of the treasure was published in the True West magazine. Okay. I think that this is this is right up my alley, by the way. I love me a good treasure hunting story mm-hmm. and the possibilities of being able to find treasure. I just wonder, like, the origin and, like, whether or not these are actual legitimate stories. But then also, like, again... What's to say somebody didn't find this stuff and then they just like didn't tell anybody? Oh, I I thought about that all the way through as I was doing this research. Yeah. Like, but I'm not telling anybody. At the same time... You don't know how much of the Spanish galleon I'm I sitting thought, on. At the same time, I want to go out and blow unloads amount of money on like research material and finding things. So since the 1950s, more recent time, there have been very wealthy men who have gone out there with more highly technological equipment. Mm -hmm. Some of them believe that they have found stuff with technology like LIDAR. I made that up because I don't think it was LIDAR. I think it was pre-LIDAR. But had found different areas. And the time that they found it to the time they went to explore it or discover it, a flood came and actually washed out the river. And so anything they thought that they found was kind of gone. So they had to kind of start over and they didn't have the funds to do it. Oh, it sucks. That seems like that's like a story time and time again is where funds just run out. So other than the previously mentioned fishermen who found the silver bars in their net, no silver has ever been reported to be recovered. Yeah, reported is the key word. Hey guys, everyone feel like a kid again? Well, we've got the answer for you. Introducing E-Riders, the first adult single person electric vehicle. These things are badass. Yes, they are electric, but crazy powerful, rugged, sleek, and can travel 12 miles on a single charge. Whether you plan to cruise around the neighborhood in style, ladies, hit the beach, or quietly get in and out of your deer blind, like I do, these fat tire scooters are the way to go. No tax, title, or license required. However you plan to use them, pick up one today. Support E-Riders, a Texas small business. That's E-R-I-D-E-R-R-S.com. That's right. Two R's in E-Riders. Financing available. Go pick up one today. Number four, please. The mine in the mountains near El Paso. According to legend, Spanish conquistadors hid a large treasure in the Franklin Mountains near El Paso. During the era of the conquistador, the Spanish frequently passed through the Franklin Mountains on their way to colonize New Mexico. It is said that a group of Spanish priests used a deep mine in the mountains to hide the valuables in the 1580s. That's a long time ago before filling the shaft to protect the secrets. 1580s? 1580s. Whoa. This is Spanish time, right? Okay. So if legend is accurate, this mine holds 300 burrow loads of silver. That's a lot. I don't know what a burrow load is, by the way. I'm thinking like a burrows, burrows are pulling this wagon up. You're saying a donkey. Yeah. Okay. That's my Texas draw. You're, so you're saying... Not a, barrels, a, but burrows. A burrow. A burrow. Okay. I didn't pick up on that. So that's what you're saying is whatever like a donkey could carry, that's... It was how many? 300 burrow loads. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Another legend about the Franklin Mountains. So this one is a twofer. So, oh, good. Yeah. I always appreciate it. Well, we got two for here. So another legend says that in 1595, a gentleman by the name of Juan de Onate hid nine burrow loads of jewels, 4,336 gold ignots, 
five silver bars, and four Aztec manuscripts in an abandoned mine. Man, there's so many things that are just buried out there that we have no idea about. I mean, think about this. They're, he's burying Aztec stuff. Like, you have to imagine. This, these are just the stories that have been passed down. Like, we have no idea what's been buried or put under rocks or whatever. Yeah, just for, like, lost safe, over time. For just safekeeping. Lost over time. There's stuff out there, I'm sure, left and right. It's just literally dumb luck if you come across it or not. This treasure is said to be worth... Two billion with a B in today's currency. Whoa. That's the one that's the twofer in, uh, was it El Paso? Yeah. The second one is worth two billion. Dude, that is the one that intrigues me. So if you're spending time there, there's two mines yes. that are filled with stuff. With You could miss one and get the other. It seems pretty simple. Burro loads. It said that the priests there had built their monastery. And on a day of the year, when the sun hit noon, like the shadow of the tip would are hit where the mine me? is. Are you Are we Indiana Jones in this thing? <laughs> you. This is the Lost Ark? I'm, that's the one I'd be going to. I would do that in a heartbeat. I'm going to go find the headpiece where I can put it in the little hole. Yeah. I'm going to get dropped down by a rope by a trusty aid. There's going to be booby traps. Booby traps left and right. Oh, come on. Yeah, I'm doing that one for sure. Number five. Better. All right. I just started getting obnoxious. <laughs> Cypress Creek Gold in Upshur County. So after Texas became a republic in 1836, we've talked about this so many times, right? The independence was not necessarily recognized. Wasn't not necessarily. It was absolutely not, not recognized by Mexico. Right. So in the nine years after Texas independence was won... And before the annexation by the United States, Texas teetered on collapse. And much of this was hastened by continued threats of Mexican invasion. One tactic that Mexico used was to incite the Native Americans to wage war on the people of the Republic of Texas. So the Mexicans focused their efforts in one situation on the Cherokee in East Texas by promising them land and money if they would, in return, drive settlers from the area. So this is kind of like Tyler, Texas. Okay. That's kind of where we are. Isn't it pretty interesting to you that the Mexican military is willing to pay Native Americans to essentially do what they would have done for free? Right. I mean, they're telling them, hey, we will pay you gold to go out there and to drive these settlers out of their homes and make them go away. And the Indians are like, yeah, bro, that's what we've been doing for hundreds of years. But if you want to pay us... Sure. Make it rain. Let's do let's do this. So there's a little bit of backstory here, and this is a very long story. Like this is an ep- this is a typical Texas Tales episode into itself. Sam Houston at this point, as we know, was friends with the Indians. Yes. And especially the Cherokee. So there was a question as to whether the Indians would side with the white settlers or the Mexicans. So Sam Houston was negotiating a treaty with him to go to a reservation, so on and so forth. The Mexicans weren't sure really how this thing was going to land, and neither was the folks of Texas, by the way. So to encourage the Cherokee to rage war on the white settlers, they offered them money and land. Oh. So that was the currency. Okay. So the height of the Cherokee and, I say, Mexican attacks at this point on the white settlers were in about 1838. Okay. Okay. Yep. About two years after the revolution. Yep. So at the time, Texas President Mirabeau Lamar sent forces to East Texas to battle with the Cherokees. He viewed the Cherokees 
as like Sam Houston's pets. Well, we know this they, about they they hated, hated each other. Hated Mar- each other. Marabu Lamar and Sam Houston were the opposite of one another. So, so he if, wanted them to go up there. So he's going to bring his forces up there, yeah. and he's going to take care of the Cherokee, aka Sam Houston's pets. Yes. So they're going to go up there and they're going to battle with the Cherokee, and this would become known as the Cherokee War, which will be an episode that I cover at some point. Oh, I like it. There's okay. too much good information in that one. Yep. So the Texans ended up killing many of the Cherokee and during this battle, and the Cherokee, like a hundred. So we're not talking thousands, we're talking like a hundred, but this was the forces the Cherokee had at the time, and they began to retreat. Along with the Cherokees in their retreat, there was also Mexicans up there who, again, were inciting the, the battle, but were also there to pay the Cherokee when they won the battle itself. Oh, wow. Now that the Cherokee are retreating, the Mexicans start to retreat. And they are loaded down with these coins. So it's preventing them from getting away from the Texan attack. What do they do? Fearing for their own lives, they offloaded, from what I understand, a lot, wagon loads of gold and silver into the Little Cypress Creek. Dude. Just dumping it. So they can get away and save their lives. I don't understand this. What happens to... All of this stuff that is dumped in these waterways. Like, to there's me, no way. This seems like a logical story. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? And it seems like there Just are... to be able to get away. Yes. You got to unload yourself with the burden yes. of all of the weight of this money. I'm thinking someone saw him. I'm thinking there's written documents back to Mexico City. Dude, I am stuffing my pockets, by the way, before I'm doing this. I'm loaded down myself. I'm jingling when I'm running. Like, like I'm running away from the Texans and I'm jingling. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. But I dump the rest of it in the water. So, same with all the others. Many, many people over the years have looked for this treasure and have come up empty, as far as they've told us. So, okay. that is the Five most famous buried treasures or dumped in river treasures <laughs> yeah. or dumped in mine treasures that are out there. I love it. I love this is right up my alley. I'm a big fan of this topic. I think that there is probably truth in all of it. I think that there's probably some of the treasure might still be there. Some of it might have been found still. Like, I don't know. Like, part of me thinks that the most credible is the last one you talked about. I agree with that. It makes sense if you're retreating that you're going to be unloading the the money as you go. The $2 billion treasure in Whoa. El Paso or the mines up there or whatever, that to me is one that I would love to go look at yeah. or try and find. But again, man, like there's so much time that's passed. I mean, I feel like if you haven't found it yet, you're not going to find it. Or people have found it and just haven't told anybody or whatever the case is. But I love the just the possibilities of it all. Like yeah. to me, like, and it's probably like the classic gamblers, whatever. Like they just love like the next try, yeah. right? It's like the next scratch off or yeah. it's the next pull on the slot machine or whatever. Like to me, I would love to go try and research and try and find some of the stuff. But I think people over time find stuff. I do. There are treasure hunters out there for a reason. Right. And they are researching this. They are historians, just like any of us. Like, they are looking into the past, trying to figure out what these things are. I think they're a little bit kooky. I mean, how amazing if you found something. Man, if honestly, if I could do this on the weekends and actually be able to put enough money into it and time into it, I could get into this for sure. Like, I would go and look for, like, arrowheads and stuff like that. So, as I was going to ask you, is treasure hunting cooler... In your mind, than say 
doing archaeology on the weekends. Yes, it is. It has to be because of the allure of the payday. It has to be. It's the same. It's in the same vein. Right. Right. So it's the exact same person, I think, that is doing the treasure hunting, that's doing the archaeology, only... They want the payday. There's the payday at the end of it. But at the same time, like, think about the person that found, like, the Dead Sea Scrolls or that found, like, the stuff that ultimately changes history. Again, there's money tied to that, too. Right? Right. It's just, I think it's few and far between from an archaeological standpoint. Like, I can go find, like, a shark tooth or I can go find an arrowhead and it's not going to do anything for me. But if I spend all of my time looking for the Titanic or whatever it is, like a payday. That's that. I just think that one score. So most of the stories that we tell on this show won't pay off for you, (laughs) but there is a strong likelihood that one of these five could pay off for one of our listeners. Yes. Grab yourself a cooler, take you some drinks and then and just a shovel. Go, just go start digging. Just start digging. Just see what happens. Do what's, some re- the, what's the worst that could happen? Do some research. Right. Good story. It's a good episode, man. Thanks, man. Cheers, brother. All right, friends. That's going to do it for this episode of the Texas Tales Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. If you'd like to keep up with us outside of the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at TXTalesPodcast, or you can visit our online store at www.independencetrailretail.com for all things Texas swag. I'm Ryan, and that's Tracy. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.